I think good work comes before good clients that you have to really produce great work, whatever it takes. And I think that's the biggest hurdle for someone that's starting out in a creative field. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, the podcast all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, and I'm so excited you're listening today. Our guest is Samantha Hahn, an illustrator, author, and creative director. Samantha is a longtime friend of mine, and on today's episode, we talk all about her journey from being a teacher to going freelance, what it's like to have a family and mix work and life together on her own schedule, the books that she's written, the fashion shoots that she's gotten to be a part of, and what it's like for her now adding this new element to her career as a creative director. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this story, and I think you're going to learn a lot from what Samantha's been up to and how she's grown her career. Thanks to our partner, General Assembly. They're an amazing continuing education organization where you can learn about digital marketing, UX design, data science, so many other disciplines. I teach podcasting and content marketing there. If you use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout, you'll get 15% off any class or workshop. So check out ga.co and you can learn more. Okay, let's get started with the conversation with Samantha Hahn. Enjoy the show. Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm so glad to see you. We went to school together. We did. And now a I, few years ago. Yeah, just a just a hop, skip, and a jump away on the calendar. Yeah. And you are in New York City. You're living in Brooklyn. And I want to hear a little bit about what you are up to these days. I'm doing a number of different things, actually. I am an illustrator and creative director. And I guess you could say I'm an author too. I have a couple of books. So those are my general careers. How did you first get into fashion illustration? I feel like listeners out there who follow your blog and your website may have seen a lot of your work in fashion. How did you get your first steps into that world? I mean, I've always drawn the figure and I've always been drawn to fashion in particular because it's just an opportunity to showcase, you know, dynamic movement and like interesting gesture and um, color and texture and all the things I love painting. So um, it just was really natural to pursue it as a career path. And um, I started out primarily doing editorial illustration and that, you know, lent itself to doing collaborations with fashion designers directly and um, sometimes covering fashion week shows for various editorial outlets and the designers themselves. Was there one breakthrough moment on the fashion side where you covered Fashion Week or it was Elle or Vogue where it was like, okay, wow, this is a, a big moment for me in the in the fashion world to get yes, this published? Definitely. Um, I was contacted by The Cut, which is New York Magazine's um, fashion site, basically. And I mean, they do lifestyle and other things too, but they had just launched and they asked me to go backstage to a number of shows and shoot reference and then illustrate them within like a few hours of the show. So like in most cases, I wasn't even watching the show. I was mainly just going backstage, shooting reference, running as fast as can be to my studio and illustrating, you know, my observations based on the photos that I took. So, and that was like a super duper stressful, but exciting moment in my career. Cause I, you know, 
I was very immersed in that experience. Like there was no time to really think about anything. I was just doing like two shows at once and then working quickly. And then those illustrations would go immediately up to their site and in a portfolio, um, just hosted on their site and then across social channels. So that was a really good first exposure to designers because then they, they sometimes regrammed it. And, you know, that gave me a nice calling card for future opportunities down the line to be like, here are my fashion illustrations. Here's what I did for the cut. And I've done it for the CFDA, which is the Council of Fashion Designers of America. And for designers in recent seasons, I've gone, well, I usually only do it for fall and spring, but I've actually worked directly with the designers and gone backstage to cover their shows for them. So I'm always changing what I'm doing, just I think in a way based on the media landscape changing and the fashion industry changing as well. And when we were going to school together at Syracuse University, I remember you always loved drawing the form, drawing, painting, all of that stuff. When you were in college, how did you envision your career? Did you think of it in terms of getting day jobs and building a career in more of a corporate structure? Or did you think about freelance, fine art versus commercial? Where was your head at then? I think it's it's actually really interesting to, to try to go back and get into the headspace where you don't understand what the world is like outside of school and try to sort of envision where you can fit into like these markets that you don't really understand. We had this class called business of illustration that like taught you how to like put together a portfolio sort of, but by the time we got out, that wasn't even necessarily the way the industry was finding artists. So, um, I, I think I never really thought of being freelance. My mom was a freelance illustrator and I sort of grew up under the illusion or impression that it was like impossible to do because she wound up moving out of that and starting a business with my dad. And I just kind of thought like, oh, I'll work at a magazine. That seems like something I would like because I like magazines. <laughs> and then I can like just do art on the side. I don't know. I, I didn't have like a really clear picture, but I definitely thought that I would be like at a magazine. And I, my first job out of school was a magazine and I hated it more than anything in the world. I felt like I was like in a prison cell being in the office and it was like torture. Like my whole perception of what life should be like was just like shattered. I think you don't have any concept of what it's like even really to like make your own path and live on your own and what the different work environments are like more than anything else. Like when you're in college, you don't know what different office environments are like. So that's something that's like really just you have to figure out by kind of stepping into the world and finding your niche within a market that you're interested in. Did any part of you, because I think I had these experiences early on in my career, did any part of you sit in that experience and say, okay, I guess this is what it's like and I'm going to have to suck it up and live through this? Or were you like, if this is what it's like, then I have to absolutely figure out a different way to go. Yeah. I'm not much one for like enduring suffering. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we all like as humans have a certain amount of suffering that we endure every day. But I think, you know, I knew that like I didn't want to and definitely spend the, the main hours of my day in an environment that didn't suit me. And I pretty quickly um, decided I, you know, I was still, I lived at home with my family and was like commuting to this magazine. And I you know, was babysitting on the weekends for local families and everyone was like, oh, you're so amazing with kids. You should be a teacher. So I like just to get out like as an escape, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go to grad school. So I went to Columbia for art education and did like 
a really hardcore, quickly, quick, quick, quick master's degree as fast as I could, just taking classes at night and then teaching art during the day. And, you know, I thought, oh, okay, so this could be my life. I could work this and have summers off and take school vacations and paint at night. And this could make me happy. But the painting at night just didn't feel satisfying. And I explored the fine art world very briefly and just wasn't really like excited by it. And it didn't like compel me to push myself in any direction. And I feel like I'm at heart a commercial artist and um, I find it exciting to have problems to solve for clients and things. And I don't think I knew that exact answer at the time, but I, when I did start doing work for clients, it became clear that that was the direction I needed to go. And after you got your degree at Columbia, you did teach for a while. And so what was that transition like from going, you know, teaching into, I guess, gradually towards freelance and commercial work? And was there kind of a moment where you said, okay, here's where I'm going to go all in on on freelance and leave this behind? I guess, how much of it was a side hustle versus, you know, uh, just going for it? Initially, I did enjoy the teaching and I enjoyed the freedom that it gave me. I mean, I felt like I could you know, I, I knew what income I had and I could travel. I was sort of free at that time. I I didn't have, um, my husband or kids or anything like that. And, um, it was fine for a while, but the like compelling feeling to like do art was there and it like, it just was a need that wasn't being met. So I wound up like starting to do submissions for freelance illustration and, um, you know, that started to ramp up. And then when I went on maternity leave with my first child, I was like, okay, I'm going to just do this, like pedal to the metal. And so on that maternity leave, I pushed it all the way as far as I could and got more clients and and started to see that this really could be a path for me. And I wound up going back to teaching very part-time. So I think it, I think it was like at that point, three days a week. And then within a super short period of time, I was doing one day a week, which I don't even know why they let me do it. It was an independent school and, you know, they just somehow let me do what I wanted, which was very weird. But I was very lucky because then I was able to just eventually, I got my book deal during that time also. So I, when I got that, I decided to leave, you know, at the end of a school year and just pursue illustration and like authoring full time. So the book deal was kind of this cue to you that, hey, let me let me go all in. Yeah. I mean, I really needed the time to complete the book in addition to the illustration projects that I was getting at that time. I could sustain life as an artist at that time. And while it was scary to not know what my income was going to be and feel totally in control of the kind of jobs I was getting, I did feel, you know, confident enough to just go all in. So it was worth it. Yeah. And it's amazing to me that you chose maternity leave, (laughs) which is a little bit of a stressful time, especially with your first child Mm -hmm. to not only like start expanding your family and raising a child, but also go all in on really starting your freelance career, which we, many of us know is a really, you know, challenging, struggling time. What was your thought process during that moment where you felt like, you could make that work time-wise and kind of what's on your plate-wise? Well, the two go, in my mind, they actually go hand in hand because like when I thought about the kind of, the way 
you know, like I said early in the conversation, I didn't like being in an office. I felt like I was in prison, like the hours were ticking by slowly and I was trapped. And that's not how I feel when I'm really engaged in a creative project. So I wanted to structure my life in a way where I could have really good quality time with my family. And then the time where I was working could be really exciting, invigorating and challenging and, um, fulfilling. So, I mean, at that time I could go back to work at night if, you know, when the baby went to sleep and, um, I just felt like more in control of my time, even though I was really, really busy, I somehow felt like I could, I just felt like I I had ownership of the time. And when I was working, I felt excited and engaged with the work. So it felt like I was having the family life that I wanted and the creative life that I wanted. And you mentioned growing up in a family. We we both grew up in Rockland County, yeah. um, which is awesome. There's something in the water there, I think. <laughs> There's a lot of creative people that came out of Rockland. A lot of former New Yorkers like went out to the suburbs and raised some creative kids, I yeah. think. But you grew up in a family, very creative family, where you mentioned your parents uh, had their own business, creative business, your mother, a freelance illustrator. Was that always part of your growing up? Did you have the interest in art or was it just something that was always encouraged and kind of visible in the house? Yeah. I mean, I think it was a mixture of both. I did see that, um, that you could pursue a creative passion and as a career. In fact, both my parents, uh, my dad was in the music industry too. It just was completely natural to, to, you know, be creative as your job. At the same time, I also saw the struggles that went with it and I saw both of them leave those um, fields and start a business together. And I saw the struggles of being uh, an entrepreneur and, and a business owner. And so I feel like I actually had a quite an education solely by just, you know, being an observer in the house. And then I also got, to be honest, like a certain level of fear from it because, you know, I think the industry shifted toward more digital. My mom wasn't really on board with that. And so I always had this like negative feeling inside, like at any time things could shift from underneath me. So I think it might not be the healthiest form of drive, but I do feel like compelled by the concern that I need to stay on my toes. And you knew from an early age that you wanted to do something creative. I mean, yeah, I mean, always I've always been and- drawing. Like it's, it wasn't like I had like intense training or anything, but I had access to you know art materials and um, definitely got good feedback from you know peers and teachers and family for drawing. So it, you know, it was just what felt right. And we both grew up outside this mecca for culture and art and everything, New York City. Yeah. Did you think about going to school in New York and going to an art school here? I actually didn't because I, at the time when I was in high school, I did all sorts of things. I was like on, you know, president of this club and like on this sports team and in this play. And so I was actually thinking that while I wanted to pursue the arts, I could would potentially like to go to a college where I could pursue other avenues as well, even just um, like extracurricular, even though I wound up doing absolutely none of the activities or opportunities the college had to offer and just wound up completely only doing art. So it just, you know, I think like the same going back to the idea of not, of not understanding what the different work environments are like. I think going from high school to college, you're like, okay, well, what is my environment like now? What do I do now? 
that's probably what it'll be like when I get to college. And that's not really necessarily the case. And you talked about this in terms of when you started out freelance, but nowadays you have two kids, you've got a family, you're living in Brooklyn. How do you structure your work days? And I know you said you kind of love that free flow of being able to spend time with your family when you want to and then work when you want to. Did, did that structure evolve for you? And how did you approach, you know, being most productive as you can be within that, that form? Yeah. I mean, it, we've always had the structure of, um, you know, school or daycare or something. I think, you know, the day hours are really important to have like, you know, whatever it is, nine to five or eight 30 to four fifteen, as like your, your office time. And then of course there are situations I have studio at home. So I do sometimes need to go back to work at night. I try to, you know, not have it be that like that all the time. So I try to be more cautious about, you know, having a reasonable amount of projects that are not going to completely interfere with family life. But there are times where I have a very consuming project that just requires me to be like very engaged at all times on my computer or desk or in a studio. And I'm not doing it alone. My husband is also a freelancer. So we really balance each other out, which is a very lucky and unusual situation that if I am in a photo shoot or something for, you know, a creative direction project, then he can pick them up or, you know, we, we take care of each other like that. Cool. And how do you make time for new work? I mean, you mentioned this kind of drive wherever, you know, it comes from, maybe it's slightly negative of like staying up and current and all of these things. And I know that you do a lot of experiments, watercolors, you do these awesome kind of high speed, um, time-lapse of your work on Instagram, which I love. And you're always kind of experimenting with new styles and things like that. How do you carve out time to experiment and just play? I think creative work like sort of ebbs and flows. Sometimes I'm very consumed by commercial projects and I'm doing them. And I think, you know, every commercial project as an artist is an opportunity to learn and grow, you know, from the process or from the experience of working with clients or from, um, the actual, you know, production of art itself. And so I, I think I'm always experimenting and learning in that sense. But then I think, you know, when you have downtime as an artist, it's important to like, you know, push yourself to whether it be like literally even just trying a different piece of paper or trying a collaboration with someone else you admire. I just think it's important to um, just ensure that you're pushing yourself beyond what you're totally comfortable in. Hey everyone, I want to talk to you about something very easy you can do to support Making Ways podcast. And what that is, is leaving a review on iTunes. Right now, if you're listening on your phone, you can open up your text messaging app of choice or your email and write a little reminder to yourself, hey, next time I'm at my desk, write a review for Making Ways. A review on iTunes is a really wonderful way for more people to get turned on to the show and it would mean the world to me. So when you get back to your desk, or if you're at your desk now, fire up iTunes. It should just take a couple of minutes to leave a review, drop in five stars if you've been enjoying the show, and it really makes a big difference. All right, thanks so much, and let's get back to the show. And speaking of pushing yourself and collaboration, you're now moving in the direction of creative direction. Yes. <laughs> and um, I want to hear kind of what motivated you to to go in, in that uh, in that direction and, you know, what kind of excites you now of 
working with more of a team and creating these these scenes and photo shoots and all this um, beyond you know the illustration and and all the work that you're you're doing well I've been an illustrator for a while and I felt like I learned a lot and I really had my process down and when a client contacted me I had my you know standard thing that I would say like oh send me two pieces from my site that you respond to here's my working process here's what I agree to you know here's what's your deadline you know, what's the budget just, it became almost rote. And that doesn't mean that I wasn't excited by certain projects, but it wasn't the same sort of excitement when you're first starting in your career and you think, oh my God, if I could just get this client, it would mean that I've arrived and, you know, I would be so excited. And I think like there's a sad reality to getting, um, moving ahead in your career, which is that you realize that there's never a point in time where you're going to arrive. There's no arrival point. You're going to keep moving. Life keeps going. Jobs keep coming. You're going to keep changing and growing and shifting. There's no client that's going to make you feel complete. And, you know, you're going to have a compulsion within you to be a creator. And, you know, nothing is going to scratch that itch where you're like, okay, I'm done. I can stop. (laughs) And I think with illustration, I just sort of reached, uh, I wouldn't call it like a hundred percent of plateau because I still love it and I want to do it. And there's projects I'm excited about, like a like a book cover or, um, you know, just a fashion week set of illustrations, whatever. I'm still excited about it, but I just felt kind of unchallenged by it to a certain extent. And I, for a while, I was sort of hemming and hawing over like, well, what am I going to do? And I started working on my second book when I was pregnant with my daughter, my second child. And I just said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to like give myself the time to finish this book, bring it to fruition, you know, go through the marketing period when it comes out and, you know, have my baby and bring her to like, whatever, some semblance of fruition. And then I'm going to think about like what my next step career wise is. And, um, during that time I continued illustration, but then I started getting interested in creative direction. And I just started basically, I mean, flying by the seat of my pants, just like reaching out to, to potential clients I was interested in working with. In most cases, it was clients who had a product that I thought was amazing, maybe a really great brand, but they weren't necessarily showcasing their work in a way that like conveyed how great the product was. So I just started doing pitches, whether it was a lookbook pitch or, um, you know, just certain, you know, project that I could bring my creativity to. And I just sort of started learning that process and collecting as much information as I could about like other creatives, you know, whether it's photographer, stylist, um, prop designer, set designer that I wanted to work with and just started, you know, actively collecting people and doing collaborations, whether it was an editorial for a magazine or an actual lookbook or something along those lines. And um, during that time, I also got an ongoing project for this book company called Quarterly, and which has like been an amazing opportunity to have an ongoing um, collaboration with, uh, you know, in the book industry, which I love, but not necessarily, I don't necessarily love being an author. I like being around in the book community. So it just sort of was a perfect balance for me. Now I get to do like ongoing work with a company and creative freelance projects in creative direction. And it still feels really new to me. And at the same time, I threw myself in, you know, head first without looking back. So I learned a lot very quickly. 
and aesthetically, I can definitely see connections between your drawing and your painting and your creative direction on photo shoots. Can you can you see that in your work? Do you see kind of the touches of of you in in all these creative expressions yet or does it still feel kind of new and you're very close to it you know the perspective quite yet no they feel so connected which is what what's interesting to me because i i don't often see that overlap where someone is an illustrator and a creative director I see, i've seen designer creative director a lot and um but to me i mean when you have a concept in your mind whether it be a photo or an illustration it's, it's a concept. You have an idea, you're going to express it visually, whether it be, you know, a watercolor painting or a photograph. And, you know, in this case, it just involves a team of people to produce it. And that adds a very interesting element because I come in usually with a very, you know, specific concept and, you know, I mood board out everything from hair, makeup, clothing to like photography, lighting, and like pose but when you're with a group of people, there's also they're bringing in their own creativity and you have to be a good collaborator and be willing to like watch the concept, you know, be malleable, which is awesome and exciting. I really like that, you know, outside of illustration where it's really honestly you, you know, illustrating or interpreting the client's brief. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a very exciting time for you, not only going in this new direction, but also kind of building those collaboration muscles where, as you said, if it's just you working on a project, obviously you have the client, you have to take feedback, but it's very different from being in this living, breathing environment where the work is being created as the collaboration is happening as well. So I think that's, it's really exciting. Yeah. And you mentioned this idea of arriving or really never kind of arriving as as an artist or, or freelancer, I think is really compelling and a really important lesson for listeners out there. Um, what kind of advice would you give to illustrators that are starting out? And I'm sure you give advice oftentimes when people reach out to you about, you know, maybe making goals that are attainable, but being realistic about what it means to grow in your career and, you know, never fully scratching that creative itch. Yeah. I mean, I think I would say that there's there should be a flexibility in the way that you think. And I think it's great to have goals and clients that you want to work with. But I think you should also, I think you, I think good work comes before good clients that you have to really produce great work, whatever it takes. And I think that's the biggest hurdle for someone that's starting out in a creative field. Like how do you get noticed? And we're actually in the easiest time ever to get noticed, but there's also a sea of people that are doing the same thing as you. So it feels really hard to stand out. And I think it comes down to, um, you know, having faith in your own talent and your own abilities and finding a way to showcase it in the, in the vast sea of other people doing the same. Cool. And your books you've mentioned a couple times, Well-Read Women, A Mother is a Story, and also Stories from My Child, which is a memory journal. A lot of these books, well, all the books, um, focus on uh, women and the idea of maternal love. What is it that is kind of compelling and and grabbing for you around that subject? You obviously, um, you know, have a, a loving, wonderful mother, and you now, as a mom yourself, what kind of drew you to more female-oriented subject matter, and then you know, the world of of motherhood. I think I'm just compelled by the female experience and and like how many 
ways there are to be within the female experience today, especially. But my first book, um, Well-Read Women, is, you know, focusing on the most popular and famous female characters in literature. And it's interesting. It was so interesting reading some of the books that I hadn't read to do the book, um, which is basically portraits of the character and then quotes from their dialogue or thoughts. And it's it was so interesting to see how they're all connected throughout history. And of course, some of the authors were men and some were women, but they were all exploring how women were trying to like circumvent or navigate, you know, the subjugation of their time. And then A Mother is a Story basically quotes on motherhood from a variety of perspectives. It's not all sunshine and roses. And obviously there's some good stuff about it or people wouldn't do it. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just about I think I'm just compelled by the female experience. It's just interesting to me. And it's interesting to see how we in today's climate navigate our time. And I feel like a, a real sense of freedom. And at the same time, you know, I'm very aware that there is, you know, oppression and there's, you know, there's still a ways to go. Let me ask you more of a business oriented question because there's been times in your career where you have had an agent and then not had an agent. How does that work? <laughs> and what were the decision points for you to, you know, work with someone and then, you know, not work with a team? How how does that unfold? Well, when I was first starting out, I was um, getting jobs in a mix of ways. I, I had started that blog to just kind of create an online presence and, you know, showcase my work to the world in, the, in whatever way I could. And, um, you know, I was getting jobs. I was starting to get jobs. And I found out about this agency that represented some illustrators whose work I really admired. And I took a meeting with them and they looked at my work and they were like, this is really good. We see a lot of potential here, but like you need to show it in like a beautiful portfolio. I think I had like one of those college acetate books. And they talked to me about presentation. You know, you want to present yourself and your work in a, in a you know, particular way. And they asked what clients I had had. And, you know, at that point, I think I had had, you know, Glamour and a couple of other editorial jobs that were up and coming, but they were like, you need to come in with more clients. You know, we, we want to take on somebody who's like, you know, almost more tried and true in the industry. So I, that like propelled me. I had a goal. I had like, I wanted to be represented by this agency. So I just tried to get more work and I came back to them. Um, I think it was actually right after my son was born. I think he was in the meeting with me like at three months at like in like an ergo and they took me on and it was a great like first way to get exposure because at that time, like advertising agencies and, and various brands would come to them and say, okay, we're looking for a watercolor fashion illustration artist. And they would submit me and like maybe two or three other artists. And that was a really good way to gain exposure to these big brands that weren't going to necessarily discover me on my own. And then after a couple, more than a couple of years, maybe like five years of that, I started noticing that more and more I was bringing in my own clients and like literally maybe 98% of clients were coming in and I was giving up 30% of my income um, to the agency to basically um, negotiate the contract and like handle billing and things, which are big deals, but 30% of your income as an illustrator is a big deal too. And so I started to then question, like, at that point, I didn't know that creative direction was going to be my avenue, but I wanted to do more collaboration. So I looked into other agencies. I had been contacted by this other agency that represented photographers and stylists and makeup artists and people in 
that industry. And I was thinking that would be maybe a, a good shift for me because I could have more opportunities for collaboration. So for a very short period of time, I switched over to them and I was bringing in 100% of clients. And I basically was negotiating my own contracts too. And that's when I was like, what am I doing here? Like, this is crazy. And I can, you know, talking about money can be really uncomfortable, but at the same time, this is a career, it's a profession. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking for market value for your work. And so I just kind of learned the, you know, to get comfortable with it. I'd been in the industry long enough that I had a sense of what things should be. And, you know, I just decided to go off on my own and do it. And I was scared, but you know, now I have Harvest for invoicing and QuickBooks. It's not rocket science. And so you're getting comfortable running the business and doing all the creative as well. Yeah. I mean, I think like for some, um, for some people I've noticed in the industry, uh, like photographers and stylists, if the agent is really out there pounding the pavement, marketing them to, you know, brands and, and agencies, then, then it's really worthwhile. But I found that in illustration, the illustrator, the onus was on the illustrator to bring in the client. And I don't, I just felt like at a certain point I didn't need, um, you know, because of Instagram really. And because of like all the online platforms, it wasn't necessary to be on a roster with other artists to be noticed. Well, Sam, it's been so great talking to you and so great seeing you. And I'm so proud of the, the business person and creative person that you've become. So I'm wishing you the best of luck Thank you. in, uh, in the journey ahead as a creative director. And thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks. Okay. That was the conversation with our guest, Samantha Hahn. Samantha, thank you so much for joining the show. It was so great to see you and hear about what you've been up to. And for you all listening, I really hope that you've taken away some great lessons from Samantha's career and how she goes about kind of approaching her work and her life. If you don't know Samantha's work, you've got to check it out. Go to samanthahan.com. That's Samantha, H-A-H-N.com. You can see her illustration. You can see her blog. um, You can see the books that she's done. And you can check out her creative direction as well. We love hearing from you guys every week. So check out makingways.co. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can check out illustrations I do of each guest, articles that go beyond the episode, and show notes so you can get links and learn more about things that were discussed on this episode. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've got some music by Jim in the mix too. You can follow Making Ways on Twitter at making underscore ways or on Instagram at making.ways. We're also on Medium and Facebook. So find us, say hi, and we love hearing from you guys. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week.